Somebody shout one more time in this place. Shout until every devil in hell uh, knows that you're walking in victory. Uh, shout until every devil of discouragement uh, knows that you've got the victory tonight. Uh, yes! Uh, yes! One more time, lift your voice and magnify the Lord in this place. I know it's only Tuesday night, but it's getting dangerous up in here. I know it's only Tuesday night, but there's liable to be a, a train explosion in this place. somebody in the building sometimes life circumstances will project themselves in a way that causes you to walk around wondering if there's really any hope and if you're not careful there are spirits in this world that will begin to tell you I know they're singing all that hype about getting ready and God's doing miracles and uh, but but the voice will tell you don't don't get your hopes up you've been here before expecting great things and and you've been disappointed don't get your hopes up I came to declare the word of the Lord to you tonight uh, the Bible says uh, that hope deferred uh, maketh the heart sick and the enemy will do everything he can uh, to create a heart condition uh, whereby you have let hope fall by the wayside. Uh, but the word of the Lord also declares uh, that faith uh, is the substance uh, of things uh, that are. So I need somebody to make a declaration in this place. Uh, turn to your neighbor, tell them, neighbor, uh, get your hopes up. Uh, get your hopes up. Uh, it's time to believe God tonight. It's time to trust God tonight. It's time to respond to what God is doing in this place. I dare somebody to take about 60 seconds and just stand on hope. Just give God a praise on hope tonight. It ain't even happened yet, but I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping for it. Yay! Somebody give God a shout of praise. One more time in this place. We ought to lift the roof off this building. 
We ought to let hell know we came uh, to take dominion tonight. Uh, we came to get every promise tonight. Uh, we came to get every miracle. Every need supplied. Uh, every sickness healed. Uh, every miracle brought to pass. Uh, hallelujah. Clap your hands and shout one more time if you believe it tonight. Y'all a bunch of rule breakers. Don't you know you're not supposed to act like this on Tuesday? Y'all a bunch of rebels. Don't you know you're not supposed to act this excited in the middle of the week? My God, what's the matter with y'all? God, somebody's liable to mess up and have a breakthrough in this place tonight. Somebody's liable to mess around and break through that open door tonight. Somebody's liable to mess around and get your hands on a blessing. To hey Amen. You can be seated if you can tonight. <laughs> Ain't no telling what could happen in this place before we leave tonight, baby. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that's just thankful for everything the Lord's been doing all week long already? Come on. If he's been good to you, clap your hands and thank him tonight for everything he's done this week. I want to take a brief moment tonight to again say what a privilege and an honor it is to have every one of our guests that are here in the house with us tonight. I see several guests across the building, Rock Church. I need your hands and your voice to help me tonight make some noise and welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. Come on. Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Rock Church, to all those who are streaming online. We're just sad you aren't here to really feel what's happening in this place tonight. Man, I, I feel bad. You, you, ever, you ever seen somebody watch somebody else eat something real good and they couldn't get it? There's, no, there's almost no greater torture in the world to watch somebody eating one of them good old ribs. And they just start looking. So all y'all online, you're just going to have to watch us eat these ribs tonight. I'm sorry. God's doing some amazing things here tonight. And we're so grateful that all of our guests are here in the house of the Lord with us. Amen. I'm telling you, how many of you were blessed by what the Lord did at Friends and Family Day this past Sunday? Woo! I'm telling you what, this place was packed. And uh, we had guests overflowing in this place when the Holy Ghost got finished. These altars were absolutely jammed full of people praying we had several people receive the Holy Ghost while they were praying in the altars on Sunday morning. Amen. The Holy Ghost was moving so strong all week. Uh, I, I just found out uh, day before yesterday, and then I talked to him today, but uh, Brother Mikey's mama, who has been coming here off and on, she got the Holy Ghost over the phone. 
Brother Mikey got to talking to his mama, and she was talking about how she just wanted it so much, and she just went ahead and asked him for it on the phone, and guess what he did? God filled her with the Holy Ghost right there on the phone. We had three more people baptized in Jesus' name on Sunday morning. All three of them came out of the water speaking in other tongues. I'm telling you, we are in exciting, exciting times around here. God is doing some amazing things. And uh, we have been in a powerful season of God speaking to us in, in a dynamic way uh, as I would say preparing us, but the preparation is over. We're in this thing. And so, amen. And so God has been so faithful to, to, to bring, uh, bring a word to us that uh, has continued to help us uh, make sure that we are in position doing what God wants us to do. And uh, how many of you have been absolutely blessed by the ministry of evangelist Greg Godwin? Come on, show him some love tonight. And uh, the Lord has been using him in a powerful way. And uh, a few weeks ago, you'll remember Bishop Wilson was here with us. And uh, just a unique, uh, a unique time in the Holy Ghost. Uh, there was an indelible mark left upon this church. And you will remember that in that Sunday morning service, the Holy Ghost challenged this church to rise to the occasion of supernatural breakthrough in the area of our giving. And one of the things that's so powerful about this uh, is that, number one, we understand how our giving is connected to the amazing things that are happening in this house. Amen, somebody. We have a revelation that vision requires provision. And uh, because we can see and we have vision, we're not waiting to react to God's moving, but instead we are moving in a prophetic matter. Do you understand that the prophetic is simply the declaration and the movement of something prior to its manifestation in, in the third dimension? It's a seeing and not just seeing, but doing what God has showed us even before it ever shows up in the earth realm. Vision is seeing it. Mission is is doing it and this church has hand and eye coordination amen we've got our hands coordinated with what God is showing us and uh, so uh, we, we felt like the Lord gave us clear direction on how to move in that manner and so uh, we are about to collect this next Sunday we are going to be receiving our annual pledge for the very first time that we've done anything like this for our all-in giving. Amen. Anybody all in tonight? And what we are doing, of course, is we are every month on the first Sunday of the month, we will be giving toward that pledge, our, our monthly pledge, which is calculated uh, as an annual pledge amount. And uh, when we do that, we, we're not, tell your neighbor, we're not giving out of sacrifice. T tell your other neighbor, it's not a sacrifice for me to give. Now tell somebody else, I'm giving because I'm blessed. And I'm giving because I'm blessed and the blessing, I'm blessed to be a blessing. 
I'm blessed to be a blessing. And so, uh, so we're not coming with, a, with our heads down and tears rolling down our face as we painfully give a sacrifice. No, we're, baby, when you see me come with my gift, uh, I've got a dance in my step. Uh, I've got faith in my heart because uh, I'm giving out of the blessing of heaven that's in my life. And so we are so, so excited about this. And, uh, of course, this particular offering that is above and beyond our normal tithe and offering uh, it will be specifically for us to begin to fund the vision of everything that is coming down the pike as a secondary consequence of having miraculous revival. Woo! Anybody beside me getting excited about that? And so continue to be in prayer and let the Lord deal with you uh, concerning how you can fit in and in context how God wants to use you uh, in this offering every month this year. This upcoming Sunday, tell your neighbor, this Sunday we will be, we'll be our all-in Sunday and we will be receiving those annual pledges. We'll have a pledge card on Sunday that you will be able to get and uh, begin to fill out. It'll be very self-explanatory. And then uh, Sunday morning, uh, we will be receiving the February all-in offering. And we are going to celebrate all year long as we watch God bless us and bless the kingdom of God together. Amen. Anybody excited about that tonight? Amen. Stand with me, if you would, all across this house as we prepare for the entrance of the word of the Lord into this place I am convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt uh, that the Lord has connected us with the ministry of evangelist Greg Godwin for this season. And um, if you were here a few weeks ago, I, I briefly mentioned a sequence of events that began last year that I believe uh, inextricably connected us uh, to this man's ministry for this time and this season. And uh, Brother Godwin will be here Tonight, he's going to be with us this upcoming Sunday for All In Sunday. Amen. And, and then in about a month from Sunday, he'll be back and we will be pedal to the metal in revival every week uh, as we see God continue to do what he's doing. Amen. And so we're scrambling. We are feverishly working to ensure Brother and sister Ramirez, that the nets are mended, that we're, we've got everything prepped so we don't lose fish. We know that it's all hands on deck, and we're ready for everything that's already taking place in this house. Amen? If you've never taught a Bible study before, get ready. It's time to teach a Bible study. Come on, tell your neighbor it's time for you to teach a Bible study. If you've never laid your hands on somebody and watched as they received the Holy Ghost while you were praying for them, it's time to get ready to start praying people through all over this place, every service. Meet me, Bishop? Meet, yes, you. If you're a soul winner, then you're, you got to be in the birthing room. I need everybody in the birthing room. And that's why it's so important that we come to the house of God in this season and, 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 and you come prayed through. Don't wait to get to church to pray. The Holy Ghost has already been dealing with you before you got to church. So just don't wait to get here. 
If you got heart issues and things you got to get fixed, get them fixed before you get here. Because when you get here, it's not about us. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying, church? When you get here, it's not about us. It's about the harvest. And on Sunday mornings and whenever there's guests in this building, I need five people deep with each person lined up to pray. When one person gets wore out praying, the next person, just tag team them and come pray. And uh, Sunday morning, I mean, it's just everything we can do to get our hands on every, every person that God is sending into this house. We have a responsibility. I said we have a responsibility for every soul that God brings into this house. Amen, somebody? Brother Godwin, I'm so grateful for your ministry. I, I, I'm just ecstatic uh, of everything that God has done to allow this time. And uh, we, are, we are with you. We're in the chariot. We're excited. Whatever God has laid on your heart. How many of you have just enjoyed this series that he began last Wednesday? Brother Godwin, we want you to come. We're ready to do whatever it is that God has put in your heart for us to do. Somebody give God a praise as he comes to deliver the word tonight. Well, turn around and high-five somebody and tell them the devil's in big trouble. Amen. He's in big trouble. Amen. And it is revival time, and I was hollering at your pastor, preach, preach, give an altar call. My God. Amen. He just preached till he's soaking wet, and they brought him an extra towel. And Amen. Thank God. That's the way to have church. Amen. Amen. So we're thankful to get to be back again tonight. Amen. Let's turn to Ezekiel 28. You, if you'll say amen's quick, we'll do our best not to be past 9 o'clock. Everybody say, oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. We want to try to keep it within the boundaries if we can, amen. To our guests, we're glad you're here. And, uh, I mean, this is just, I wish I had a video of this or something I could just show folks. This is as big as, almost as big as your Sunday crowd. And uh, it's fantastic. But I understand you have 83 or 84 home Bible studies were taught this week. Come on, tell somebody, 83 home Bible studies. Amen. Can y'all hear me? I said 83 home Bible studies. Amen. That is absolutely fantastic. And so we're getting ready. And uh, preparing and as it's happening. Amen. Ezekiel. Yes, sir. 183. I'm sorry. Good God from glory. 183 Bible studies in a week. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm on video and it's on the internet, so I'm trying to be careful. But just tell somebody, 183 Bible studies in one week. Amen. That only happens in major, lead, apostolic, growing churches. Amen. And so we're thankful for your growth. Ezekiel 28 and 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. 
Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou walked. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as a profane, as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Amen. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes on the power of proper positioning. Look at somebody say the power of proper positioning. Amen. The Lord bless you and you may be seated. Amen. May ever 38 seconds and we'll be all right. <laughs> Amen. Just to rehearse, just to go back over a little bit of what we talked about last Wednesday, uh, last Tuesday night. Uh, between Genesis chapter 1 or verse 1 and chapter 1 and verse 1 and verse 2, there is a cataclysmic event that happens. Verse 2 it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Waste, waste and void here means wreck and ruin. Without form, void, waste, desolate, empty, wreck and ruin. Isaiah 45 and 18 gives us uh, God's input on how this happened. It says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it. Amen. And the word here is not in vain or in chaos. It is a word that is Tahoe, which means he did not make it in chaos, but he formed it to be inhabited. So this verse accentuates the fact that God created the earth and then there was emphasis that it was without form and void. What caused that to happen? It was the fall of Satan. It was the fall of Satan, which was actually, to be grammatically correct, it was Lucifer that fell. Uh, in the beginning there was God, however many billions of years we would call it. You want to put up there, you can put up as many as you want. Everything, there was just God. Then God created angels, of the which there was cherubims, three, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Then there were seraphims, and then the angelic host. The Bible says there are thousands times thousand times 10,000 times 10,000. So that's a million angels times 10,000 times another 10,000. Now when they use 10,000 in scripture, it means a myriad of or an uncalculable number. So it's million angels times an incalculable number times another incalculable number of angels. The structure again is, is God, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer, seraphims, and the host of angels. As we begin to read in the word, as it says here uh, in our text, Lucifer was created perfect out of the incalculable number of angels. He is the only one that it is said of him he was perfect. Amen. Uh, he was without sin. 
Uh, he was covered with every precious jewel. Why? Because he dwelt in the burning presence of God. And so the burning presence of God, the light of God would shine off of him and ricochet through the heavens. There would be a rainbow of colors shooting through the gold carbuncle and all of the diamonds and jewels that were mentioned in our text and all of that. And in the leading the angels, the Bible says they say one to the other of God. He's holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. That's all they say. That's all they've ever said. That's what they're saying tonight. And that's what they'll say in eternity of God. He's holy. Turn to somebody and say, God's holy. Say, he's holy. He's holy. He's holy. Now, however long that went, we don't know. But suddenly, Lucifer, the anointed cherub, who also had a throne, which is indicative of authority. So there was only two thrones in the whole universe or outside of the universe in the heavens. God had a throne. Lucifer had a throne. He gave him a throne to give him power, to give him authority over this mass of angels. And he was beautiful. He reflected the glory of God. But he got caught up in this beauty. And Isaiah 14, he says five times, I will. I will exalt myself. I will be like the Most High. He said, I will sit on the mount of the congregation and, and so on and so forth. And when that happened, he was cast out of heaven. Lucifer became Satan, the devil, the dragon, was cast out of heaven, as it says in Revelation 12, into the earth with great wrath, violent anger. Amen. God threw Lucifer out of the heavens because of his rebellion and his thought. Everybody say his thought of rebellion. His thought of rebellion. He didn't actually do the step of rebellion, but he thought it. He thought, I will, I will, I will, I will. And before he got it all out, God said, you're getting out of here, Bubba. You and one-third of this innumerable host of angels are being cast into the earth. Amen. And you're out of here. So God has two-thirds of an innumerable host of angels still in the heavens with him. One-third of those angels are now demons or devils. Amen. But look at somebody and say, we got two to one odds. Just an angelic activity. That's two, to, two good angels to one bad angel all over the world. But then you put God in the picture and you can tell hell, turn out the lights, your party's over. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so we understand that this was the atmosphere of uh, the creative world. Uh, when Lucifer rose up and the casting out of him uh, happened, the earth was without form and void it was in a waste place. It was in desolation. But before you get out of verse 2, God begins to move on the deep again and recreate what the devil had messed up. Can we tell you tonight, if you're a visitor here, you've never been to church, you've never had the Holy Ghost, amen, you got a bunch of chaos in your life, welcome to the planet. Because all of us were born in chaos and in panic. We were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Tell somebody I was born that way. But that's why God manifests himself in flesh. God came in the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. And died for our sins. Tell somebody he died for our sins. Amen. So I was born again, June 27, 1978. Mustang, Oklahoma, in a red dirt campground. 3,000 people in the building, sawdust floors. Amen, and I ran from God that whole camp moving around. I told you last week I was outside. Preacher got to preaching, pointing at me. 
Last 10 minutes of the message, I came inside the building, prayed, and then left. Came back the next night. I was in the back of the building. He was preaching along, and he got down to close the service, started pointing right back to the back and just closed his message. I moved up to the front of the back section, prayed, and then left. Came back the next day. I went over to the other side, the front of the back section. He got down towards the end of his preaching and started locking in. I didn't know it was L.D. Langford. I didn't know him from Adam. He didn't know me. I don't know how he saw me, but he just kept preaching at me. The next night, I moved up to the about the second row of the front section that night praying. The next night, I moved out in behind the lawn chairs that were outside, way down here, about 350 lawn chairs. I was in the last row. He could see the top of my head when I, talk, when I stood up. When I sat down, he couldn't see me at all. Preaching 10 or 15 minutes and he got over there and got to preaching over off of a piano pointing right outside the door, pointing out there and I couldn't take it no more. I jumped up and started running through the chairs. They moved the chairs. I went in and before I left that night, I was born again of the Spirit. God filled me with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Two days later on Sunday morning, I was baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. Amen. Just like it says in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19, the only four places in Scripture in the New Testament where we have biblical evidence of somebody being born again. Thank you, all 12 of you. <laughs> I said, that's the only, tell somebody that's the only place in the Bible somebody was born again. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19. Now tell somebody, you know why he's talking about that right now? Because there's guests in the house and they need to know the truth. Amen. Come on, somebody. So you got to say amen. Amen. So, amen, that's what happens. And born again, and I mean my life changed from that moment forward. So whenever the earth was without form and void, God began to move on it, recreate it, began to make man, and made Adam and Eve in the garden, and Adam and Eve, amen, were born perfect. Adam was formed out of the dust of the ground, Amen, so he didn't have a belly button. That's a whole discussion. I just thought I'd say that. Amen, he was born out of the ground. God took the dust of the ground and formed him. Tell somebody, you're not an accident. Tell somebody, you're not a product of evolution. Tell somebody, your ancestors aren't animals and rats and spiders and bugs. That's not your ancestors. Amen, come on, tell somebody, God formed man from the dust of the ground. Come on, tell somebody, God formed man from the dust of the ground. Amen. Then he saw Adam around. We don't know if it was two days, three days, three weeks, three months, or 300 years. But he said it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he said, Adam, I'm going to put you to sleep. You're going to do what? Don't. Knocked him out. Down he went. Reached in his side. Broke off a rib. And the Bible said he formed woman from the rib of Adam. And from that, they were perfect. They were without the knowledge of good and evil. They had no idea about sin. This concept had never come up. All the Lord said was, don't eat from that tree. One tree in the whole garden. God said, don't touch it. And so we don't know how long the temptation happened. She kept going by the tree, and then all of a sudden, there's a serpent there, and Satan's talking to her. And uh, we don't know how long it talked, if it was one conversation or a million conversations or a hundred or a thousand, but at some point, she just kept going. Tell somebody, if you keep listening to the devil, you're probably going to get tripped up. I tell somebody else, if you keep listening to the devil, you're going to make a big mistake. Amen. And so finally, she did take of the fruit 
She took a bite. When she took a bite, she took it to her husband. He took a bite, and they were born again. Tell somebody they were born again. They were born from spiritual life to spiritual death. And God, in uh, long story short, puts them out of the garden, and now we are all born in sin. Tell somebody we're all born in sin. We are shapened in iniquity. We are, we are given to self-will. We want to do it our way and what we want. And, that's, and that tells somebody that's the way we are. Even when you got the Holy Ghost, you got to battle your will. Tell somebody, even when you're born again, you've got to battle your will. Amen. Tell somebody, I'm going to battle, amen, this will of mine. Amen. And so when we begin to look at Adam and Eve, and we'll be on your notes now. Adam and Eve were given one order of not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and God was putting Adam under authority. Everybody say, under authority. The question was, would he obey? Being placed under authority so that he might learn obedience and thereby continue to operate in dominion. He was placed in the Garden of Eden, and they were to multiply, replenish, be fruitful, and have dominion. That was their job. Multiply, replenish, be fruitful, and have dominion. As long as they were in their place, somebody say in their place, they would operate in a blessed fashion. But Genesis 2 and 8 says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Adam was placed under authority that he might have authority. Tell somebody, I'm under authority, so I might have authority. Eve was placed under authority of Adam so she might operate in authority. Everybody say, in authority. If I stay under authority, I can operate in authority. Amen. Amen. To rebel against God's delegated or representative of authority is to rebel against God. All authority is of God and rebellion against it is rebellion against God. All authority, that means the police, fire department, government, whatever the law says, that's the way we're supposed to be. Amen. I've probably never said that in the whole 130 or 40 times I've taught this lesson, but it just hit me, so I felt like saying it. Amen. Tell somebody, you got to obey the laws. Amen. You got to obey. Amen. You got to be right. Amen. But then when it comes into the church, into the kingdom, everybody say, we must obey. Amen. The best way to do that is stay under delegated authority. We ended the lesson uh, last time we was here, and uh, Bishop was gone, but we had his wife up here representing them both. We understand the authority. Everybody say authority. So in this church, the authority is, of course, God. Everybody say God's in charge. Then Bishop uh, Williams has Bishop Elder over him. That's his bishop. If Brother Elder called, if he walked in the door and flew in and God told him to come preach, Brother Williams would step up and say, Brother God, we need to stop. I'd hand the mic to him. He'd hand the mic to Brother Elder and he'd start talking. He got a good, that's right. And everybody else say amen to his, that's right. Amen. And then Bishop Wilson is also in that structure, I believe, because Brother Elder has, Brother Wilson is his bishop. I think Brother Williams has that same feeling. Why is that important? Because, amen, whenever we are not born again and we're raised in the world, or as we were born, we're raised in a world of chaos. Total chaos. Everybody say total chaos. And the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, we're seeing more of that break out even now. 
uh, that they're shutting down the police and all of this stuff and it's increasing the murder. It's increasing all kinds of craziness, robberies. Uh, people, cities even talking about getting rid of the police. I mean, that's the most stupid, brain-dead, ignorant thing I've ever heard. That's been going on two years and I ain't said nothing to it just now. Everybody tell somebody he's feeling a little bit of liberty. Hallelujah. I mean, it's just crazy. The police aren't for the good people. Police are for the folks that are just freaked out, bad, acting crazy. Amen. But what is it? It's a rebellion against authority. Everybody say amen. And so Adam and Eve, amen, uh, had to learn to stay submitted to the authority they were under. Eve was under authority in God's order under Adam's authority. One not subject to God's order is not subject to God's authority. One not subject to God's order is not subject to God's authority. Amen. You can be in the church. You can be a position, hold a position in church, play an instrument, be an usher, a cameraman, a sound man, whatever you want to be. Be an assistant, have an office, get a full-time paycheck from the church, whatever. But if you're not under authority, amen, you are a problem. Everybody say amen. Now, again, I'm trying to hurry. I got 15 minutes. So I got to really hurry. Uh, but what we're saying is, is this is preliminary. I don't feel any rebellion here. But I'm, we're just going through this because I felt directed to do it. Bishop said do it. So we're going through it. So everybody say the best way to get out of this is just say amen every 38 seconds. Because you get quiet and I just hunker down right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. God always sets ministry under Authority. Well, I feel a close in five minutes with that many. Amen. Hallelujah. God also called us to be kings and priests after the order. Everybody say order. Of Melchizedek. Order appears in the word of God 61 times. Meaning regular arrangement or fixed succession. Fixed succession. In Numbers 12 and 1 through 10. I can see it. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Everybody say they spoke against Moses. Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married. For he married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Be, tell somebody, be careful what you say. Even when you're alone with a couple of other saints that like to talk like you talk. Even when you're not at church and around people that you know are with the bishop, tell somebody, be careful what you're saying. The Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, unto Aaron, and to Miriam. And he said, come ye out. Come out, ye three, under the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. And called Aaron and Miriam. They both came forth. He said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. Originally it says, Is he not so who is faithful in all my house? With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then 
Were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him and he departed. The cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous white as snow and Aaron looked upon Miriam and behold, she was leprous. In the flesh, they were elder brother and sister to Moses. In the natural, Moses was subject to them because they were older. But when he's called into leadership, when he was called to lead two and a half million Jews, well, when it started out, it was 150-ish. It went into the land of Egypt. But in those years later, 400 years later, amen, he comes out and he is over two and a half million Jews. He has been set in a position of leadership. They then become subject to him because of his calling and positioning. Fixed succession. So they must become subject to his delegated authority. Everybody say they were subject to Moses' delegated authority. He said in verse 8, Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The word here to speak against is reviling. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The word reviling here is to defame, to rail at, to chide, to taunt, or to reproach. The result of reviling authority. The cloud departs. Miriam was struck with leprosy. And she was cut off from the congregation. Where there is reviling against leadership, we lose the Spirit of God, sin is in the camp, and we're cut off from communication from the body. Reviling is the proof of a rebellious heart. Tell somebody, reviling is the proof of rebellion in the heart. God and His delegated authority are inseparable. You cannot maintain one attitude towards God and have another attitude towards his delegated authority. I've had people tell me, well, I love God, but I, I just can't handle that pastor. No, 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 you can't do that. Amen. Say, if you love God, you love God's man. Amen. You cannot reject God's authority on one hand and receive God's authority on the other hand. One receives authority by being under authority. So rebellion is contagious. Number 16, Korah, his rebellion begins and raises up against Moses. Verses 1 through 40 tells us there was the death of 250 leaders that were infected with rebellion. From verse 41 to verse 50, the whole congregation was infected. Tell somebody, rebellion breeds quickly. Jumping over some notes. Verse Samuel 26 and 7 through verse 11 gives us scripture concerning being proper, our proper attitude towards the anointed. So David and Abishai came to the people by night and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay around about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thy hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once. I will not smite him the second time. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not, 
For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Where guiltless here means innocent. Arabic, it occurs with the meaning of being clean. And this verb guiltless appears 44 times in the Old Testament. David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day will come, he will die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. Now you remember the story of Saul. Saul uh, uh, was king and God warned Israel about him. If you get a king, this is what's going to happen. He gave him a long list of things. He was going to just, just tear him up and abuse him. But when he, they wanted it, so they got him anointed king. He became king and for a short period of time there was a cohesive relationship between him and Samuel. But there came a moment when King Saul did not want to hear from the prophet of God. He turns him away. And uh, he does a couple of things. One thing he does, um, they told him to, he wanted to offer up a sacrifice. He said, no, don't go to war. I'll be back in a few days and we'll offer a sacrifice so you can go. They waited seven days. And the Bible said of Saul, he forced himself. Those are the exact words. He forced himself to offer the sacrifice. He had no authority to offer the sacrifice. That was something the priest did. That's something Samuel did. Nobody else did it. The king, he was king, but he had no authority in the spirit. He had this, the question was, would he stay under authority? Would he do what Samuel said? And he didn't. And when Samuel came in, amen, the hammer fell. Everybody say the hammer fell. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. Forbid here means it's a profaned thing. It's a profaned thing. It's a profaned thing to set your hand or to come out against, to speak against somebody in authority. It means to bore through, to pierce, to be fatally wounded. The spirit world recognizes authority and order, 2 Peter 2 and 11, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Here the word railing is blasphemos. It means scurrilous, calamitous, against men, impious against God. In the King James Version, it means blasphemer. Blasphemer. Whereas angels which are greater in power might bring not blasphemy against them before the Lord. Amen. Accusation here is decision, a tribunal, an implication. Tribunal. I've seen, I don't even know if I should say this here. I just, let me just, just say it. It came to me. I'm going to say it. I know of situations in the past where uh, a group in the church uh, thought they had authority and they had a secret meeting against the pastor. And uh, when they did, God pulled the cover off of it and crazy things happened. Everybody say crazy stuff happens. Amen. I know of one church where there was death. After a meeting, uh, a man 
was leading a meeting against a pastor. And when he left the meeting, he went to bed that night and didn't get up that next morning. He was dead. And uh, all kind of things uh, respond from that. Everybody say, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. When you begin to move in rebellion, when you begin to move out from under authority, when you begin to move out from underneath the direction of bishop and pastor, it's like witchcraft. Everybody say amen. Uh, accusation is implication, condemnation, damnation, or judgment. Two root words for railing. One is feme, which means a rumor. Everybody say beware of rumors. Amen. Don't, don't talk rumors. And, and I'm bouncing off and running away from a lot of things that are in the notes here. But just beware of rumors. Feme. Next word is blapto. It's made up of two words. Feme, blapto. Which is to hinder or to injure. By implication to injure. So you're saying things, saying rumors to injure people. Not just physically, but more important, you're in their character, in their integrity. You're defaming them. Tell somebody, don't do that. Amen. And, it, it, and part of your spiritual growth is God's wanting to change us. You don't want to be a part of any conversation where they're talking about or downing people. Tell somebody, in the church or out of the church. You do not want to give in to, amen, this railing. Because it is blasphemy. Blasphemy. Verse 9 says, yet when the archangel, when contending with the devil. Everybody say, the archangel Michael. Now, Michael and Gabriel are there. Lucifer was another archangel. But he's cast out of heaven. And so now... Michael, the warrior archangel that's left, is contending, fighting, disputing with the devil about the body of Moses when Moses died. But while he was arguing with him, he did not bring against him a railing accusation. But he said to Lucifer, the Lord rebuked thee. What did he do? He understood the order of God when he created him. It was God, Lucifer, Michael and Gabriel, the seraphims, and the host of angels. So even though Lucifer has now fallen out of the heavens, out of the order of God, because of the authority that was on him, because of the position he used to hold, Michael will not rebuke him, but says, The Lord, who was your head, rebukes you. Contend here is to separate oneself in a hostile spirit, to oppose, to strive with, to dispute, to contend. Amen. Everybody say amen. Stand with me. Boy, I did good tonight. Tell somebody he did real good tonight. Amen. Tell him a little, a little heavy subject right now. Amen. What are you saying now? Musicians will come. Rebellion is an outward manifestation of an inner attitude. Why are you saying this, Brother God? Because you are in. You are going through the door that God has opened to you by prophetic word from your pastor, confirmation by Brother Wilson and others. 
you had an untold number that the Holy Ghost Sunday. I talked with the, my brothers, took me to lunch the last two times I've been here. We talked last time about greeters at the door and all that stuff in here. Why, why do we need that? Because we don't just want to get caught up in just praying people through. Amen. You taught 183 Bible studies last week. Tell somebody next to you, God's got a lot of visitors on our hands. Now look at somebody and say, where are they? I would tell you that this revival, I'm going to be here for quite a bit of it. Whether I'm here for the whole time or not, that's up to God and y'all, whatever you feel. But I will tell you that this revival is of God. And the number one reason it's here is because, number one, it was started right with Brother Urshan. Number two, you got the right man in Brother Williams. Amen. <laughs> to follow up. And he told me a little bit, he told me a little bit about the growth and how it happened, showed me the different buildings, and just amazing in nine years. So I will say to you that this has been exceptional growth. In the history of the United Pentecost Church, I don't know anybody that's grown this, uh, or the Apostolic Church, I don't know anybody that's grown this fast in nine years. So touch somebody and say there's great responsibility on us. And so we're saying before a spirit shows up, before one comes in and Get somebody upset because we got so many guests you have to sit in the balcony or maybe you have to sit on the steps one day or sit out here in a folding chair. Come on, somebody. We don't want to become discontent with our place in the body of Christ. Because when you become discontent with your place, this pollutes the worship. Can you imagine this worship becoming polluted? I mean, you got the jam, the groove, you got the talent, but just can't put your finger on it. The jam's the same, the music's the same, the voices are the same, but It's like an eight-cylinder engine running on seven cylinders. It, all, it runs good at slow speed, but you put the foot on it. starts missing. Rebellion. Discontent against authority. Dissatisfaction among leaders. It'll start very small. Just a yakety-yak here at the table. Yakety-yak there. Next time you come back, week, two weeks, a month, and there'll be a little bit more yakking. And then it'll spread. And remember now, in just a few verses, rebellion went to 250 leaders in just a short period of time. Before you get out of the chapter, the Bible says the whole congregation was infected. 
Would you grab somebody by the hand? How does submission work in the church? First of all, we submit ourselves to them to have the rule over us. Then we submit ourselves one to the other. That brings submission vertically, submission horizontally. If you remember, we become members of his body, limbs and parts of the body of Christ. What's so beautiful about it now is the body is not just in one location like it was in Scripture when Jesus, when God was manifest in the man Christ Jesus. He didn't go over 100 miles from where he was born. But now, because of the new birth and his body becoming a spiritual body, when we're born again, we become members, limbs and parts of that one body. Now we, we operate around the world. Now listen, here's, here's my point. I'm saying something I've never said teaching this, but I feel to say this is the beauty of being in an apostolic church that has unity and harmony. I mean, this, you could have fooled me. I thought we was in Sunday morning or Sunday night church here tonight. I mean, here we are on Tuesday night, supposed to be Bible study. And we out here grooving and bucking and kicking and people wiping tears. Oh, you don't do that in the midweek, quote unquote. But when revival comes, when revival comes, amen. So we, we must have a submission to one another. Tell somebody next to you, I'm submitted to you. Tell them, I'm not trying to go over you. I'm trying to stay hooked up with you. Now look at somebody and say, and I'm submitted to that which is over me. So Bishop and Sister Williams, if you'd come right up here and let's bring the staff down in here again. I feel like we may need to do this every night we teach this. Let them come up here and stand. And then staff, I want you to come stand. People that are on paid staff, I want you to come stand down here. That's it. Come on quickly, quickly. You get here quick. I get done. Is that it? All right. More coming. All right. They're coming. Come on. Here comes the music, man. Hey, I'm all shy. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I like the one song he got up here singing, boy. Thank God for a good music man and his wife and family. Now, now, I want you to come. Leaders, families, adults, I want you all to come in here, right in here in the middle, as close as you can. Come in close. Everybody, come on. Moms, dads, young people, come on in here close. Come on in close. You got your wife with you or your husband, that's good. If you don't have one or the other, that's fine. Get your kids. If you don't have kids, that's fine. Bring yourself on up in here. Our guests, we want you to come. Amen. We love you. We're glad you're here. Can you imagine, can you imagine if this church was connected to other apostolic churches and other apostolic churches were connected to you? The beauty of what happens, that's the beauty of this. I mean, you're connected to great churches. Come on, tell somebody, we're connected to great churches. What I love about your bishop and your pastor is his quickness of 
saying he submitted to his pastor. I mean, and his quickness to give him credit and Brother Wilson and, and all of that. Look at somebody and say, that's my bishop. Amen. That's my bishop. Amen. Now I'm, I'm stuttering here and going a little herky-jerky because I'm cutting away from a lot of notes. How many of you feel the Holy Ghost? What we don't want is this negative part of the Bible study that we're going through. It's kind of negative. It's heavy. Because it was all three about people in rebellion. Until we got to the end, David said, oh no. Who can touch God's anointing and be guiltless? Tell somebody it can't be done. The anointed is left and right of you. Tell somebody you're anointed. I can't touch you. Tell somebody I can't touch you. Now point to these that are up here on the platform. Point to them and say they're above me. And I can't touch them. So now what's the beauty of that? You have the cross. And when you have a church that has submission and they're submitted to each other and submitted to the authority, there is a beauty in the cross. It's always there. People always getting the Holy Ghost. People always being baptized. It's just always that. But what happens? Now I'm an evangelist. What happens? You go to church and, and that, that's not happening. Well, I know after 32 years of evangelizing, 38 preaching, I know if there's not guests, Nobody's getting the Holy Ghost. There's trouble with a capital T in the house. There either is rebellion or there has been. And we got to get that fixed. Somebody say amen. amen. But tell somebody we ain't got no trouble here. I say we all in line. The anointing of God's flowing on us. And it's flowing through us. Let's lift our hands and give God some glory. Come on somebody. Give God some glory. Thank God for your neighbor. Thank God for your brother, your sister. Thank God for your leaders. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for this great church. We thank you for the leadership. We thank you, God, for the spirit of David that's in this congregation, Lord, that loves authority, that recognizes it. We'll not touch it, God. We thank you, Lord, for the authority that we feel in this congregation, in this church. We thank you for the anointing that flows through it, the power of God that flows in it, the miraculous that flows from it. It's because we're submitted one to another. Everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight all over this house. Amen, amen. Are you thankful for the word of the Lord in this house tonight? I want to say something very briefly before we're dismissed. As uh, Godwin was preaching so capably tonight uh, concerning this very important subject, I thought of something that is of paramount understanding, uh, importance of us understanding in this season, and that is this, not only is submission an issue of salvation, ultimately, somebody say amen, we can't be saved without being submitted, but there is a, an important component of submission 
when it comes to the level of harvest and revival that God is bringing into this house, you understand that what is happening is that as we are knocking doors and passing out flyers and praying and doing all of those things, how many of you understand that God is in this with us? And just like Joshua who shows up at Jericho and there are angelic hosts and the captain of the host that are there to fight with them, there are angelic hosts that I believe to the, to the proportion of us having our hand at the harvest, God dispatches part of that innumerable company of angels to work with us in the harvest. Anybody understand that? And while we are doing our part, there is supernatural activity that is happening. And we don't even understand. We, we hand out the flyer. We've been praying. We make the invitation. We go home, and there are angels that are assigned to that harvest. And th th there are supernatural things stirring on those people's lives. And all of these things are happening because God is drawing. Hear, hear, hear me. He, here's what's happening right now in this church. Is the indraw is surpassing the outreach. Now that doesn't mean we stop the outreach, but, but what it shows us is there is a vortex that begins to happen where we, we're working this much and it's everything we got and the results are exponential because it's how God operates in his kingdom. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. You never sow one seed of corn and just get one ear of corn. Here's what happens. As that door opens and God is bringing them in, there are people that are bound by sin and demonic influence. And there has to be a church that is walking in authority. God is not going to lead them to a church where there is no power and no apostolic authority because there will be, there will be no change. If the chains are going to be broken, if addiction is going to be broken, if lives are going to be changed, God's got to lead them into an environment so that when that bondage gets into this house, this church, as we are submitted individually, we then present that we are submitted corporately. And it is through the power of that submission that we are able to take authority over the spirits of people that are captive. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's what makes the difference in a church that when people walk in here and they're bound by sin, that there's a church that is walking in submission. So when we lay our hands on people, it's different than if we weren't walking, if we weren't submitted. Because of our submission to one another, to spiritual authority, and to God, when we lay our hands on people, there is a direct flow of power and authority from heaven to take dominion over demons, dominion over sin, dominion over dysfunction. Function. And so this revival depends on us. There are, there are people 
all over this county and this state depending on us to walk in submission to God so that we can flow in the authority of God. I'm telling you right now, this thing, this thing is moving so much larger than we can even see manifested in this sanctuary. What's going to happen is as we get to church every week, there's going to be testimonies of the revival happening all week long outside of these walls. People on your job that are going to come to you and the Holy Ghost is going to start moving. And what needs to happen is there needs to be a saint of God present at that moment that is submitted to God. And you don't have to wait for the evangelist or your bishop or any of the other. You don't have to wait on anybody else to break that stronghold. You can begin to pray right there in Jesus' name. And the submission of your life brings authority. Uh, that all of a sudden the chain is broken. Uh, the bondage is, by the time they get here on Sunday, God has already broke the chains of bondage over And so one more time before we dismiss, I want us to lift our hands across this building. And I want you to begin to pray in the context of what I just told you tonight. God, I'm available to you, Jesus. God, I want you to use me in this harvest, in this revival. God, I can't afford to be have a wrong spirit. I can't afford to have my heart messed up. I, I can't afford, God, to be at odds with my brother or my sister because there are people that are depending on me uh, to walk in submission and authority. Uh, come on, I need somebody to grab a hold of the impetus, uh, the eternal impetus of what we're talking about tonight. Come on, you've been praying all your life for God to use you. We're at the moment right now. You've been praying for years, God, I want to do something for your kingdom. We're at that moment right now. We're at that moment. God wants to use us, but we've got to have prepared hearts. We've got to have clean hearts. We've got to have a clean mind. There's got to be a spirit of unity in the church that's unwavering, that's unbroken. Come on, somebody, right now. Just a couple of moments right here. Come on, just a couple of moments right here. When people walk in these doors, the power of submission will cause demons to run. The authority and the power brought by submission. We'll exercise authority over homosexuality. Exercise authority over lesbianism. Exercise authority over addiction. Exercise authority over violence. Exercise authority over hatred. And revel. Come on, somebody. Come on, God is anointing this entire church to be an evangelist. God is anointing this entire body of people. Uh, come on. Uh, come on. There's an empowerment that comes uh, as we stay submitted to God. Come on. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name. Come on. Uh, come on. In the name of Jesus. I decree it uh, and I declare it tonight uh, that the same uh, mantle of anointing uh, that rests on me for this city uh, I declare it to rest on you tonight uh, I declare it to rest on you tonight uh, to walk in authority uh, to walk in power uh, to walk in faith come on in Jesus name come on young man God's going to use you Young lady, God's going to use you. Uh, 
You can't afford to be living in rebellion. Ma'am, sir, God wants to work through you. You can't afford to be out of line. Come on. Come on, we're almost done tonight. Somebody tap in. Come on, somebody tap in before we leave tonight. Somebody tap in before we leave tonight. My God, I feel it in the building right now. My God, I feel it in the building right now. God's going to use you to pray over your neighbors, and you're going to see them delivered. God's going to use you to pray over your clients, and you're going to see God do the miraculous. God's going to use you to speak a word over somebody you do business with, and you're going to watch miracles begin to unfold. You're the most shatalabayanu.